Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm Cameron Tuptabai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg, later in the program. We're going to hopefully welcome on NBC Sports Boston's own Chris Forsberg to talk to us about the all-star voting that's going on in the NBA. And particularly by Thursday of this week, we will know the starters. So we're going to look at the reserves with Chris later in the program, what we call the lab portion of the program. First, as we like to do, we'll talk about the news of the week that was, or at least the week that has been since the last time we had an episode. And before all that, Alex, Justin, how are you? Doing all right. It's 11.15 p.m. here in Brooklyn, New York, so I'm feeling a little sleepy, but that's okay. Just watched a fun Celtics basketball game that felt, I don't know about how it felt for you guys, but didn't really ever feel like it was in danger for me. I watched that game and felt like the Celtics were going to win from opening tip onwards. I did not have any of that creeping, oh, crap, they might really do it, that Luca is so good at bringing to a game. Uh, I definitely agree with you. And even with an hour of extra sleep here in central Mexican time, uh, it's pretty late. I'm pretty tired. Um, I actually deleted a lot of my game recap because I thought Luca was going to pull it out. So I had the exact opposite experience. I was pretty sure. Um, not necessarily that the Celtics were going to choke, but that Luca was just going to get it done. Um, so I guess we can unpack that game. I mean, the, the broader rundown of the news is that since we've last talk, talked, the Celtics beat Toronto. They beat the heck out of San Antonio. They beat Houston. They just beat Dallas, and they do have that Denver loss. Um, we can talk about really anything we've seen in the last week. I don't know that there's an obvious trend here, but uh, I don't know. I didn't think that the Celtics looked that good. I actually... I'm. I hope someone smarter than I can figure out how to find this stat. How many times have the Celtics had their top six? Because I don't like no team is ever healthy. Right. But the extent to which like we have data around how good the Celtics team actually is continues to escape us. Right. Like we didn't have Porzingis against Dallas and they still moonwalked all over a playoff team in the West. Uh, it's worth noting, uh, noting, I suppose, that Dallas has the second worst rim defense in the entire NBA, and that was fully on display. But, like, I don't know. I mean, the Denver game is the only data point I think we have where, like, they played a contender with their full squad, and it didn't work out for them. Um, but I don't know. I'm a little riffing here. We're kind of off script. But, like, do either of you feel that concern that we still don't, like, know that much about the Celtics team? I think we know some things. I'll, I'll just jump in really quickly here. I think we know which, at, at the very least, we know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are now at the level where they can, as long as they are on the floor, put up a very good fight against just about any team in the NBA, regardless of who is out there with them. Um, you know, I think White, Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Al Horford all had some really good moments over this past six games or so and in general you know though they have been kind of in and out of the lineup they've played pretty well like you know Porzingis torched Houston the other night um you know Derek White game winner against Toronto or effectively a game winner everybody ate against the Spurs you know I think I think to to a to a degree the analysis around this Celtics team to me is actually coalescing in something relatively simple which is that the Jays are still the engine of everything. The game largely runs through them. And when they're on, this team looks very, very, very difficult to stop. The role players are Holiday, White, Porzingis, and Horford. And 
we ideally you want all of them to be healthy and ready for the playoffs but i think that in general none of those guys represent you know like a situation where the celtics have a guaranteed loss on their hands if one of them is missing time now against denver in that game in particular honestly i think most of the substantive analysis comes down to that you got to just tip your hat to what i think is still a top three or four team in the NBA. You know, Nikola Jokic is a remarkable basketball player, and he and Jamal Murray were in perfect sync for that entire night. There was basically nothing that the Celtics defense could do to stop them. And in those crunch time situations, the Celtics still have a little evolution to do as far as what is the plan. Now, tonight, against, you know, as you mentioned, one of the worst rim defenses in the NBA you can just throw the ball to Tatum and Brown and they'll figure it out. But against an actual true blue contender in a team like Denver, who I think to me, I haven't seen anything in the Western conference this year to suggest that they shouldn't win it again, or at least make the Western conference finals. Um, You have to execute at a higher level against those teams. And um, right now, at least as it currently stands, The Celtics are able to do that sometimes, but not every time. They still need to diversify their offense a little bit more. And some of those kind of aforementioned role, like elite role players, and they are elite role players, but some of those guys need to kind of find their flow a little bit more in those late game situations. Don't too much to add to that other than this this Celtics team is still carrying around the sins of past Celtics teams in a lot of people's heads. And when the rare times they do, they, they do lose, people tend to think about what they've been more than what they are. I mean, if you look back at their record, they have one losing streak the entire season so far of two games. This is not a bad team, right? So a, a, a Denver Nuggets team that is seemingly unstoppable with its two stars hitting pretty much any shot they seem to be able to get on a night where the Celtics' two main stars can't seem to sit to hit the C with a pebble. I'm not too worried about that. That's just a one-game, you know, shooting aberration. Uh, if we get to some some Miami Heat uh, in the in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals levels of aberration, you're going to be screwed no matter what team it is. So so far, I am very satisfied with what I've been seeing from this team. Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't successful. I guess I have a couple of things. First of all, Alex, I think turn the heat up. I don't think they're a top three or four team. I think Denver's the best team that uh, doesn't play in green. Um, on, on the nights when they care about it, I think there are nights very, when they very, very, kill, very, very, very. But um, I so again, I was just kind of riffing here, but I, I I guess now that I think about it, just like Justin, to your point, um. They've lost to Denver. They've lost to Milwaukee. They've lost to Minnesota. They've lost to Oklahoma City. They've lost to Philadelphia. I, I guess like my initial thesis was like, I don't know how much data we have around this team because we we just like haven't seen it all put together. And like Alex, to your point, it's a they're uh, Megatron. Like you don't need to have all of the pieces together. You just like shove them together and something happens. But I suppose that what are they fourteen and nine on the road now? And then they have these losses against good teams. I don't think like Denver, they have the luxury of saying like, oh, we don't care about the regular season. Like they, they probably have to care about the regular season. And so I don't know, I, it really is not, it was not my uh, intention or <laughs> to like barnstorm into this podcast and say like, oh, the Celtics aren't very good. I don't want to be like, no, 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 that was not really against what you were saying, but every time there is a loss, there seems to be the incredibly vocal part of Celtics fandom that understandably look back at similar situations that are not occurring with anything near the same kind of frequency as they have in the past. Yeah. I, well, I do like wonder sometimes the commentary, like, Oh, the, the, the Jays wouldn't have done that last season. I don't know. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's true. They might still do it. Jalen had that pull up three that towards the end of this game that made me want to pull my hair out. Anyways. They definitely still do make, like some questionable choices in late game scenarios. And part of this season, I think the most important part of the kind of back half of the season is going to be ironing that out as much as possible. But, you know, right now they're, they're just winning so many of these games in runaway fashion that 
it's kind of hard to nitpick around that. Yeah, uh, the game in Miami is the end of this road trip, and then they have their longest home stretch of the season with seven games, and then the the thing really turns up for the the schedule really relaxes for the Celtics. So that'll be really interesting to see. Um, alrighty. So it's a regular season game. We don't have to over, over index on it, I suppose. Segways enough that like, if there are question marks about the Celtics team, one of the ways to answer those questions is at the trade deadline, which is February the 8th. Ah, I got it. I was, it was between the 8th and the ninth. Chris Haynes of Bleach Report and TNT says that the Celtics are looking for smaller moves, maybe buyout options. That's pretty consistent with what has been reported thus far. And if you get under the hood and play with the trade machine, I think anyone who's done that knows that there's like, <laughs> that's really the only logical conclusion. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado. Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Justin, you've been writing about this. First of all, what do you think of that read from Haynes? And then Bobby Marks has a new idea. Um, talk us through that. So everything we've heard is lining up with what he was reporting. And it doesn't exactly take a genius to look at the Celtics cap sheet and roster structure to realize that they are probably not going to be major players for any Big splashy names, and if you're looking at the standings in the NBA right now, you would really have to ask yourself why they would want to mess with something considering where they're at, right? That said, they probably do, as Brad Stevens noted, want a bigger wing. They could probably use a big man, some more ball handling, stuff like that. Maybe they can get some of that stuff from the same player, in one player, so they don't have to go out and find multiple players to do multiple things. They could probably consolidate some of the roster talent to be a more talented option when they are on the floor. But you can't really get too talented of a player because then you can upset team chemistry because they are not getting the kind of playing time they want. So it really limits what Boston could do, even apart from the financial stuff. So as far as I have heard uh, or read or been aware of, this is exactly what the Celtics should be looking for. As to what Bobby Marks was talking about, I mean, the, the, the junk contract stuff makes all the sense in the world for financial reasons, as well as what we were just talking about. He kind of characterized him as a bigger wing, which is not, I think, what uh, Brad was talking about in terms of a bigger forward. So kind of mm-hmm. more on the upper end of the spectrum, more like a 3-4 to maybe even a 4-5. 
Uh, Najee Marshall, I think, makes a lot of sense. He's only making one point new one point nine million uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans this season, but they seem to like him. He gets a decent amount of playing time with them, and they don't have any real reason to get rid of him. I mean, if they want to resign him, I think that they are in as good of a position as any team is going to be. But I don't know. I don't. I don't see them letting go of him. If they were, he'd be a great candidate. But even apart from that, that's the archetype, right? Somebody who's like 6'6", six, six at least, and probably more like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, on the wing. Maybe a bigger point guard if they could find somebody who makes that minimum amount of money, like Chris Dunn, if they, for some reason, set in Utah. Yeah. Some other, like, they would not let go of Chris Dunn just to let go of him. But if they do commit to letting go of some other parts that turns them more into a team that's looking at the lottery instead of a plane run then maybe then someone like him could get pride loose it's a couple of thoughts i had here as well which is just i i think it's going to be hard for us to predict exactly who the celtics are going to be able to go after because the reality is that whoever they're going to add onto their team is almost certainly going to come as the result of being traded and bought out somewhere else or being traded and rerouted somewhere else with the celtics operating as a third team to absorb additional salary it feels like m some of the targets that are being floated are definitely possibilities, but I would I would not be surprised if the person, if there is anybody that the Celtics do end up bringing in, if that person ends up being someone who kind of becomes available at the last minute, for lack of a better word. And I think Brad Stevens is pretty wisely kind of keeping his options open. I don't think we're going to know anything solid until like the literal day of the trade deadline and buyout deadline yeah there's some rumors that the milwaukee bucks are trying to get on the dejounte murray uh trade scenario and they have no assets right but they do have some players yeah. on the cheap that maybe the celtics might want to throw some assets at them for so yeah something like that i think is probably much more likely i'm so shocked that you guys aren't uh, talking about Andre Drummond or Sadiq Bay after weeks and months of doing that, there was a report today that Sadiq Bay could become available. I mean, I would love to have Sadiq Bay on this team. I, I continue to think that other teams will offer more for Sadiq Bay than the Celtics are willing to give up. Yeah, uh, and I think the same is unfortunately probably true of my desired target Andre Drummond as well. I don't think the C's are going to be coughing up, you know big assets and frankly i don't think that the picks that the seas are throwing around are of immense value these days i mean i do think that the celtics are sitting on uh at least in terms of second round picks some extra capital and that's not enough to uh landing a big fish but i don't think that boston should play footsie here like if Sadiq Bay can be gotten for four second round picks, I'd rather you do that than like be cute and save your picks. If but they can get him for all the second round picks, just yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that too. Um all righty. Well, how many days are until it's two weeks from Thursday? Is that how the calendar moves? Less than three weeks, I think. Yeah. All right. So this Thursday we get to know the all-star starters. The following Thursday we get to know the all-star reserves. And the Thursday after that is the trade deadline. How fun. I have um, one more thing to add just really quickly before we move on from this uh, topic, which is that I think, and, th and then we can move on to All-Star and other stuff like that. I think one thing that I saw tonight out of Boston, and obviously this won't work against every team, but that could open the door to different kinds of trade and buyout targets is that Joe got a little funky and played Jason Tatum at the five, and mm -hmm. it kind of worked. And I am wondering if that might open up some different options as far as who can the Celtics pursue if maybe they start to find some success with small ball lineups where they're playing Jason Tatum at the five more uh, as a way to kind of fill that like third, fourth center spot. I think Luke Cornett is still playing reasonably well, as has Nemius Keta in the past. But if Tatum can operate as a true small ball five for just short stretches throughout the game, that might open the door to the Celtics aiming for different types of players that could maybe complement him more so in those lineups. I think that's true. And, and they don't have that much flexibility, but like they could in theory make two moves. Uh, I'm still of the mind that getting someone to 
foul Embiid six times in a game is like a top concern. And yeah, so like that's where Andre Drummond comes in. That like Tatum playing the five is cute and interesting and probably could go nuclear in a lot of scenarios, but the road back to the finals doesn't run through Philadelphia, but it but it probably uh will feature a matchup with Philadelphia or a matchup with Milwaukee or a matchup with Miami. And just having a big body to foul people six times would be, I think, helpful. Yeah. So uh but that could work in concert. They could go get Andre Drummond and um plucky guard or a Sadiq Bay or something like that. Or Santi Aldon. But I don't know if that's gonna happen. Actually, could it happen? Santi Aldama? I think it's probably yeah. more likely we would end up with a Xavier Tillman based on how much time the two are playing. Uh and it's arguable that the Tillman might be a better fit for what he would be expected to do with the Celtics. But if we could get Santi Aldama, I would be a very happy person. I just think that uh the the the, the Grizzlies value him too much. Yeah, him and Porzingis could speak Spanish would be cool. Okay, whatever. Now we'll put a pin on that. We have a few more weeks of milking trade deadline um content. Geez, it was funny. I was gonna ask Chris this, but now I know the answer. Um Justin, you know this, and anyone who writes knows this. Like sometimes when you're writing, you just like don't have it. That like the next sentence just like does not materialize. And that was the experience I was having while writing my game recap. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that's going to translate to podcasting. And anyone who's been listening for the past 20 minutes could probably tell that it does translate to podcasting. And I <laughs> am struggling to put one sentence in front of the other. Yeah, this time of night, I have already poured out all the verbal, uh, word-oriented things that my brain can create, so I feel you. Um, speaking of Chris, I just saw a fun tweet from our man that you guys may have seen earlier. Um, fellas, who do we think is the leading the NBA in lowest defensive field goal percentage allowed amongst players defending 10 or more attempts a game? From a shooting standpoint, um, I, yeah, it's gonna be Derek White. The answer, oh, Al Horford, course, is Jalen Brown. Oh, wow, yes. say that again. Jalen Brown, uh, per our pal Chris Forsberg, who we'll be talking to a little later, is leading the NBA in the lowest shot percentage allowed against players shooting 10 times or more a game. Yes, you heard that right, folks. The Jalen Brown all defensive team case is gaining some steam. Wait, when was this tweet from? This Earlier was tonight? from 20 minutes ago. Our guy, Chris Forsberg? Our guy, yeah. Chris Forsberg. Jalen did call his numbers one of the best defenders in the league after the Mavs game. Uh, it's interesting that those those uh, data points back it up because as impressed as I've been with him, uh, that honestly surprised me when you said that. I would, I would have rattled off like six or seven more names before I landed on that. Um... Wow, I'm just gonna like marinate on that in real time. It makes sense. I mean, he has the this is gonna sound hyperbolic, but like physically, he has the same body as Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was a really effective defender. So, like, I'm not saying that he is thus Michael Jordan, but he has the like physical gifts to play really friggin' good defense for sure. Um, I think if there's one caveat I would throw in, it's that uh, he still fouls too much. Uh, and he still occasionally will get beaten off ball. So it's not like he is a Michael Jordan, Gary Payton level perimeter defender. But just knowing that he can lock up individual matchups when they have the ball in their hands is still a very serious weapon for a team that is already stacked defensively. No turnovers on the other end either. It was a very satisfying game for someone who is a little overcritical, probably, of him dribbling into traffic much of the early part of the season yeah why did why did luca and jalen brown hate each other the back and forth was outstanding like why it was fantastic i don't know but i hope they keep hating each other yeah um man jalen really hooked poor luca's ankles at a certain point but then luca i mean he got a couple laughs in there that was just man what a night for the nba i mean maybe we'll do this off air so we don't offend anyone but carl towns what the hell man yeah, that was I, on a night where Joel Embiid drops 70 and like continues to just over and over again assert that right now, at the very least, in the regular season, 
he appears to be the best NBA player. Um, to see Towns have a stat padding 62 that uh, resulted in a loss to the Hornets. It really speaks volumes to the phrase, there's levels to this. And <laughs> not all 60 plus point games are created equal. If if Embiid plays 65 games, what's the case for him not being the MVP? I don't think that there is one no. really outside of, out, That's outside of like Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, just going completely nuclear even more so than he has for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I wonder, like, going back to narratives and whatnot, how much, like, if Shea was doing this in a Knicks uniform, would it be over and done with that he would be the MVP? Or, like, how much the small market bias plays against him? But, no, I, th- I mean, I still think it's Embiid. Now, while we're, like, really just hanging out, have you guys seen this building they're going to build in Oklahoma City? They want to make it the tallest building in North America. Oh, man. Yeah. Really? Oklahoma City? Yeah, Listen, like the place with all the tornadoes. <laughs> that that just seems like a bad idea for all sorts of reasons. And I'm not earthquakes. Gonna, yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, right. I'm not going to go full history teacher mode here, but um, th- there's a lot of potential curse energy that could come with such a project that I, I think we're just going to leave at that. The tallest building in Oklahoma City is 840 feet tall, so... I don't know. Not, like, not much to work with <laughs> to be like the tallest building. Sort of like the height of the John Hancock building. And then they want to build something that's taller than the World Trade Center building. Like, what does Oklahoma City's skyline even look like? That's so ridiculous. Flat. Very strange move. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting place. Okay. Um, you guys want to keep riffing or should we let the magic of editing whisk us away to our conversation with Chris Forsberg? Yeah, there's like four tall buildings in Oklahoma City. What are they going to do with this crazy tower? <laughs> Um, well, you know, Chet Holmgren. Uh, yeah, he'll just stand up there with. Yeah, <laughs> he can get any apartment he desires. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe they're building it so he can actually fit in a building. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, you guys got anything else, or should we let the magic of editing take us to our conversation with Forsberg? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Birds can fly backwards, perk. Just relax a little. Um, well, we could talk about that. Hummingbirds can fly backwards, but other birds can. can. It's not can. it's not it's not because of their brains. No, and they're not coaching it's... either. And they're certainly not on the court. I you know I, I'm just gonna say, guys, I, I think Joe Mazula, with all due respect to Big Perk, is a more sophisticated basketball mind. I just do. <laughs> wow <laughs> i thought we're gonna take it easy okay <laughs> when I we mean, come that's back not that controversial i, mean, I don't think that's in charge of an nba team the other talks about it and you know like as smart as i like to think i am about basketball no one is asking me to coach he's infinitely smarter about basketball than i will ever be but there's still a pretty big gulf i think between him and an nba head coach of any ilk do you think you'd be good at being a bird I mean, I'm pretty stupid, so. Well, birds are what? That that was such a cheap shot at birds. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't have any. Bird I'm gonna, pets. I'm Are eating really Hanukkah gelt. My cats right. try to eat them. We know, should I just think. not edit any of this. We should just leave all of this in. I sure, think. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why would we cut this out? Well, I am eating. Alex, <laughs> would you be a good bird? I think I'd be um, a good bird just in, like, you already know with my wingspan that there's a lot mm-hmm. going on there that's pretty kind of bird-like generally. So, yeah. Very, very astute, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys going to ask me if I'd be a good Are you I a mean, good bird? I don't think so. No. I think I'm I think I'm better at being a mammal. Yeah, maybe so. I like to sing. I could be a bird. Yeah. Sure, why not? I'm a good, I'd be a good father, I think. Like some birds. Some, some birds. birds. Not all birds. <laughs> Not all birds. That's true. <laughs> all right. Um, stuff. 
Yeah, thank you for listening to the Ornithology Lab podcast. Um, I've been your host, Cameron Tebtebai. Uh, yeah, let's just let the magic of editing take us now to our conversation. We need a lot of magic. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so if you're still with us, you might as well like and subscribe to the podcast. You seem to like what we're all about. But uh, if you're skeptical, hang tight. And in a moment, we'll talk to Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston about this year's All-Star Game. All righty. Through the magic of editing, we welcome in Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston to the lab to talk what about this What I missed? Did I miss all the fun? Uh, we kind I'm of just sorry. riffed. You missed something. <laughs> yeah. That's what we did. Yeah, you missed something. Um, but Chris, you're here. about who could be a better bird, you could probably figure out what sparked that. <laughs> we agreed we'd all be pretty good birds. All right. <laughs> nice. Um, for the YouTube crowd, you might get a, a look at my cat bubbles. Who's oh, wow. The second half. that. Oh, yeah. All right. Chris, you're not here to talk about birds or cats. You're here to talk, talk about NBA All-Stars. And in particular, we've decided you don't even need to talk about the starters. We are going to trust the fans and say that Giannis, congratulations, you're a starter. Embiid, definitely a starter. Tatum, a starter. And then for the sake of argument, we're going to give it to Halliburton, the hometown hero. Have and to. this is a controversial one. By way of the fan voting, as it stands right now, we're going to put Trey Young as a starter. We that was a shade of gray that we can come <laughs> back to, but the other four feel pretty good. What we'll do is we will run through what happens next. So on Thursday, the starters will be announced. It's 50% fan vote. Players get 25% of the vote and the media. Oh, not the coaches. The media get 25% of that. Vote. That's how, yeah, we talked about that <laughs> off air too. We think it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty dumb, but go ahead. Well, I wasn't saying like put LaMelo ball in it's, it's a program for teenagers. Make it fun. But if there's people's salaries on the line, no, 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 no. Then it cannot be up to the teenagers. So anyways, it's going to be up to us instead. So that's the starter vote. Uh, we'll put it in pencil for now. It could change. We'll find out on Thursday. The following Thursday, we'll find out about the reserves. But the listeners to the Celtics Top Podcast don't need to wait because we'll tell them right now who's going to make it uh, in the East anyways. Maybe next week we'll do the West. So Mr. Forsberg, any mm. questions about any of that? No, I am I am ill prepared to try to f- do this. So I I would I will cede the floor to you guys as you guys give your picks. I will grumble or approve of your of your smart decisions to uh of to elect these all stars. I will be arbiter. I'll be I'll be the I'll be Adam Silver here and determine if you are allowed to cede these players to the floor. I was gonna say I make the phone call if um <laughs> we yeah, get it exactly. wrong. All right, well, just to remind. Over. People in order the front court voting is Giannis Embiid, Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, Adebayo, Paolo Bancaro, Julian holding on to the 10th spot in the front court. And the guards, we got Halliburton, Trey Young, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, Brunson, Derek White, LaMelo Ball, Drew Holiday, and DeMar DeRozan. So those are the roughly 20 players we're playing with. Alex, give us a backcourt player first. Or give us both. Oh, sure, I'll give you both of my backcourt players. Oh, I wrestle a cat. Go. No worries. My plan was to kind of do this based on who I think are my locks and who I think are my could be up for grabs. But both of my backcourt players to start here uh, for the bench mob are locks. Donovan Mitchell has been on fire lately. He has been backpacking a Cavs team that is just riddled with injuries left and right, keeping them afloat in the Eastern Conference standings. To me, there is no argument. Donovan Mitchell absolutely has to be one of the backcourt players if he is not starting. Um, and then the other guy I gave it to is Jalen Brunson, who I think has been outstanding for the Knicks this year. Um, clear best player on that team, has really kind of resurrected that franchise since he got there in a big way. Um, you know, I think in particular, what stands out to me about Brunson is his efficiency, which just continues to be pretty mind-boggling, the amount of shots that he has to take for that offense to work, but still putting up good shooting splits throughout. Um, To me, it's a no-brainer. Mitchell and Brunson have to be on this all-star team. That would be absolutely silly to leave them off. All right, so let's, let's do this. Alex, those are your backcourt players. Justin and I will do ours. And then uh, Chris, we'll have you, based on what we yes. said, pick your two backcourt. Then we'll Love do the front court, and then we've got some slots for wild card. So that'll be how the programming works. So hang tight, Chris. Justin, we're your backcourt players. 
Justin, you're on mute. For the same reasons that uh, Alec took Donovan Mitchell, uh, I went with him as well. But I went with uh, Maxi for the other backcourt reserve spot simply because as good as the toast of the town over the summer uh, that was the Milwaukee Bucks were supposed to be, they are currently just a half game ahead of Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, a. James Hardenless, Philadelphia 76ers, they do have more supporting uh, roles there because of his departure, but... I don't think you can discount what Maxi has done for the 76ers, the leap that he has taken. And I think to, you know, thread the needle between fun to watch and uh, contract implications, I think Maxi is probably the most interesting of the options that are kind of hovering in that area. Uh, you hinted about the Trey Young thing. You know how I feel about two-way players to keep this as brief as possible. Uh, I, I think that the next closest reserve who it's currently outside the fan vote, Damian Lillard. Some people can make the case for him on offense and certainly for like a spectacle, which is what this game is. Uh, he would be a good choice, but he's just kind of like a lesser version uh, in terms of good things on defense as to why I would also put Maxi over him. I like to see someone who's going to play on both ends of the floor. If you want to see the all-star game be competitive, I would like someone who tries in both directions. And um, just unbalanced, but my two were Lillard and Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell's a lock. I think the top four of the fans, I thought the fans did a really nice job this year, which I don't usually think. Um, Halliburton is, for me, a lock at number one. The game's in Indianapolis. I would pick Dame Lillard to start. Um, for everything that you just identified, Justin, he and Trey Young don't play defense, but they are fun offensive players. And Damian Lillard's a star. He's been a star, and he's really good in an all-star game. So... I'd actually have Dame starting. Um, and then I would keep Trey Young in that top four for the same reason. He's a star. He's really fun to watch. There's a reason he's number two in fan voting. Um, and then I got Donovan Mitchell, who's a bona fide basketball player on both ends. So, Forsberg, we're going to say it's Halliburton and Young. They got the starting nod, despite what I just said. You get to pick between Alex's backcourt, which is Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. My backcourt, which is Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell. Or Justin's backcourt, Mitchell and Maxi, for your two backup guards here. I don't get to do my wild card. I don't get the shoehorn. Three well, you can there. come. We can come back to that. Okay. Well, so if if I had to pick just based on like the two that I think deserve to be there the most, uh, I do think Lillard, despite his his struggles, like he just can't help but look at the standings. I guess that's I, that would be my my break and my tiebreaker right now is just like the the winning teams, and that's not fair because. Mitchell is absolutely carrying them and probably deserves to be there more than Lillard and Maxi. But uh, ultimately, uh, those two have are playing for better teams. And if uh, if that is going to be my sort of my my tiebreaker, it's not fair that Embiid and Giannis are your teammates and <laughs> propel you a little bit more. But Cleveland obviously had a pretty rough stretch there uh, early in the season and has pulled themselves out of it because Mitchell is so good. Uh, I'm kind of with you guys like. I used to obsess about the fan voting and get really mad and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they let some uh, South Korean pop band determine, like, <laughs> who who gets into this thing. And uh, now it's just like, whatever. It's, you know, if kids want if and I assume I always say, like, kids are the ones voting. It used to be that way. I don't know. Like, it's probably grown ass men now that are, are voting. It's probably and, robots on Twitter. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Grown ass robots are, are voting. <laughs> and um, so. Uh, whoever people, whoever, whoever the bots want to see, will I'm fine with it, you know. And uh, as you said, there's worse platforms for Trey Young to have to go out there and uh, and and shine. So, uh, I think I think all the people that the, that we've mentioned in this segment will be accounted for by the end of this. And it's it's uh, I'll save the Derek White chatter for the the wild card round. Yeah, well, that's called a tease, boys and girls. Um, Maxi would be great because he'd be y the young player who like doesn't know you're not supposed to try, and so he'd be like right. running around doing stuff. While I think everyone... Halliburton too, right? Like the both of them would just be zipping up and down the court, and like whoever it is from the West, who they're probably going to be old, and they're going to be like, "What is going on? Like, yeah. stop this!" <laughs> and uh, well, you know, the uh, I would between the the home buzz for Halliburton who will try really hard, and Maxi just wanting to show out against the more veteran players, I do think that that would be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. 
All righty. Well, Alex, let's keep it moving. Let's go. No, to I didn't your... say Brunson, right? Like, but I mean, so oh, there's only so many spots. We'll get we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, there's only twelve. That's it's gonna be tough. All right. So, um, Alex's team so far for the reserves, you got Mitchell and Brunson. Who are you putting in the front court? Uh, in the front court, I have two locks and one spot that is somewhat up for grabs. But uh, my two locks are Jalen Brown, who has been outstanding this year. Uh, Celtics are the best team in the league. And the best team in the league gets two all-stars. I don't make the rules. That's just how it works. Jalen Brown is absolutely deserving of that second slot. Um, and then for me, my other lock was Paolo Bancaro. Guys, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Paolo Bancaro has played every game this year. That guy is an Iron Man. He just keeps going and going and going. He's a huge part of the story as to why Orlando is successful this year. They've made a huge jump in the standings. They're going to make the playoffs for the first time in what seems like a while. Um, and, you know, you watch the games. You can just see his impact on a night-to-night basis. Paolo is a monster. Playing him at a small ball five position is going to be a pretty devastating thing for, I think, many years to come in this league he's only going to keep getting better um and his shooting the rebounding the defensive intensity i mean that guy's a a beast so i could not in good conscience leave paolo off my all-star team i think he is absolutely deserving he's been the magic's best player and they are headed for some good places for my third spot um this one was a little tougher for me bam Adebayo, i think has a pretty solid claim to this spot and he's the guy that i have there right now um defensively he's been brilliant for Miami he's also carried a heavier offensive load this year and in general I think this is probably the best BAM season that we have seen from a statistics and impact standpoint that being said BAM Adebayo has missed a few games here or there as have many members of the Miami Heat which we'll talk about later um, and so I was torn between Bam and Kristaps Porzingis, who I think has also been really strong for Boston. He's made a huge impact with his vertical and uh, distance spacing, with rim protection, rebounding. You know, we can talk ad nauseum about how great Kristaps has been. Um, he has only played one fewer game than Bam this year, which is kind of crazy to think about because we always think about Kristaps as a guy who misses games. That's the big knock on his all-star case. But um, he and Bam Adebayo are neck and neck. I gave Bam the slight edge just because I think he's doing a little bit more to carry his team right now. But uh, for me, it's a dead heat between Adebayo and Porzingis with that last front court spot. All right. So Alex is taking Paolo, Jalen Brown, and Bam Adebayo. Justin, you and I have the same three front court players. Do you want to break it down here? Yeah, actually, Alex really set me up pretty well with his analysis. I actually value the Orlando Magic's current decline in the standings. They fell down from, I think, the second spot in the West or the East, uh, all the way down to, I think they're in eighth, if I remember correctly, at the moment. And I completely agree with with Bam. Uh, He has not missed as much time as Jimmy Butler, which is, I think, one of the things that you were hinting at. Butler, he's a a top four player in the front court fan vote in the third returns right now, but he tends to miss games. He's already missed a lot of games, and there's a pretty decent chance that he is not even in the running for major season awards. So even though that doesn't necessarily count towards all-star, it influenced the way that I looked at it. So for me, I just flipped Porzingis uh, in this case uh, for Paolo Banquero. So for me, those three really stand out for me as my reserves. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about the Jalen Brown thing, but I'm going to assume anyone who's listened to this podcast knows why Jalen Brown is a worthy all-star this year. I think Porzingis and Adebayo, the only knock on their all-star case is that they've missed time. But Forsberg... Let me ask you, if you had to pick now three front court players, mm. so you can't pick any guards yet, or add guards rather, what three would you pick? All right. So I'm like going off my little hack list over here. I do think Bam has to be on there. Like you guys said, Jimmy just hasn't been out there a whole lot. And I feel like, or at least, you know, Bam has had to carry that team at times. And um, it's it's hard because I just went through the guards and I was like, oh, I'm going to reward teams that are winning. And then you look and it's like Randall should be probably ahead of them, but like it's close enough where I'm not going to split hairs. I think, you know, Brunson's been so good and Brunson's sort of the engine that makes that team go. And I think Randall, like if he has good nights, they're going to be successful. But like 
OGA being added to that mix is probably more important to like their long-term success. And so um, I'm just, I like, I, I can't get to the point where I, I would, I would have Randall on there. I'm going to, um, Boncaro has been so good. Like, I think he has to be there and I know they've slid in the standings. I'm not sure it's his fault. You know, they, that's another team that is eventually going to, to have, add some pieces and, and they'll be really good and it'll further accentuate how good he is. And yeah, Jalen Brown's a no brainer. So like, um, I, I would, I would go Jalen, Bam and Paolo. All righty. Uh, I will say uh, there'll be a little bit of disagreement here for us who ends up on the 12 man roster. It's pretty hard to like bring other names into the fold here. I think outside of this like band of 20 players that we're sifting from, I like bringing Jared Allen in with respect to Jared Allen or like DeMar DeRozan in with respect to DeMar DeRozan. It's like a, it's a pretty sharp drop off. So uh, I think whatever name that we leave off the list is really going to be like one of two that don't get invited to the party. Alrighty. So uh, at at this point, we're just kind of sifting through our favorite wildcard people. So Alex, what I'll have you do is I'll have you just like read through again, your list of reserves and include your wildcard. Cause I think we've covered all of the players. Any one of us would have on our list save one brilliant bald two-way guy which we'll talk about at the end so even if he made your team don't tell us about why yet for sure um so just to recap my team as it stands right now uh is Tyrese Halliburton Giannis Jason Tatum Joel Embiid uh Donovan Mitchell Jalen Brunson Paolo Bancaro Jalen Brown Bam Adebayo and I did not include a name that was included earlier in Trey Young uh, who we penciled in as a starter. So you're just cutting him. <laughs> if I had my way, Trey Young would not be on the all-star team because I do not support rewarding Trey Young for an abysmal Hawks season after I was super bullish on the Hawks to start the year. <laughs> uh, he betrayed me and this blew up in my face. So Trey Young, you're being axed from my all-star team and I'm going to take Damian Lillard and put him in the starters group. Um, to that end, Damian Lillard is not one of my wild cards. Instead, uh, a more deserving Tyrese Maxey is a wild card who deserves this more than Trey Young. Um, Tyrese Maxey has been terrific for Philly this year. He has been a revelation at the starting point guard spot. Uh, they play faster. They play more aggressively. He's holding up defensively better than I thought he would. Not great, but he's at least manageable. Um, and the offensive efficiency, particularly when paired with, you know, the presumptive back-to-back -back MVP in Joel Embiid, Maxi's been excellent this year. And I could not in good conscience leave him off my all-star team, especially to reward Trey Young after he again betrayed me. So Trey, you're off. Tyrese and Dame, you're on. And for my last wild card spot, I was quite torn uh for this one i i wanted to give it to a front court player to balance the wild cards um and so i was torn between christoph porzingis who i mentioned earlier and jimmy butler and i know that jimmy butler has missed a lot of games and i know that jimmy butler is probably from a statistical standpoint not quite so deserving of that all-star case but guys here's the thing after this podcast is over, I'm going to go to bed. And I really hope that when I go to bed, I don't have dreams about Jimmy Butler like I do on so many nights because Jimmy Butler is a specter that haunts me every night. And he lives in my brain and I've seen what he can do and I know what he's capable of. And I have been intimidated into putting Jimmy Butler onto my all-star <laughs> team. He scares me I that much. And so I have done it. Apologies to Kristaps Porzingis. You can change this, Kristaps. You can fix this for me. You can make it so that next year when we do this, it will be no question that I will put you on the all-star team. But right now, I'm scared that Jimmy Butler will find me and hunt me down if I don't put him on the all-star team. So I have done that. I, I really like how you finished that. Uh, because 
it's relevant to my wild cards as well. Uh, just to recap, uh, Mitchell and Maxi in the backcourt, Jalen Brown, Christopher Brzingis, Bam Adebayo in the front court, and then for my wild cards, I have Damian Lillard because he deserves to be there, and it has to change. But get those shooting splits up, and Derek White, you are in. All right, Alex has White out. Justin has White in. Just quickly, I've got Lillard and Mitchell uh, in reserve. I've got Bam Brown, Porzingis in reserve. I've got Bancaro in reserve, although like through this conversation, I don't feel as strongly about that. And I have Julius Randle. I don't know. He's so polarizing. Um, Even internally, I feel like he's polarizing for me. I love the the quip. He looks like someone who's playing basketball wearing a backpack. That lives rent-free in my head. Um, I still don't have... I think um, it was wearing jeans. I think Draymond's Oh, wearing jeans. Backpack. Yeah, yeah. Draymond's backpack. He's wearing jeans. <laughs> it's even better. Um, yeah, I don't have Brunson on my team. And uh, Brunson would also be a good shout, which is to say... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Just and to say nothing of Jimmy Butler, I, I struggle to find a spot for Derek White. And I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have felt differently. So I think I'm going Randall and Bancaro. Ooh, I want to put Brunson. I'm going to go Randall and Bancaro because this is not binding. Which is to say that, Chris, you've got, you can change this, but right now you've got Damian Lillard and Tyrese Maxey. You've got yeah. Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, and Paolo Bancaro. Which means you have two spots left. So I didn't, I didn't have Brunson, party. right? Like which I've already I'm already regretting my my shuffle. So he has to be on there, which leaves only one. And you know, that's where it gets it gets difficult. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're sitting there going, What is the roadmap for Derek White or uh Kristaps Porzingis? If you had a time machine and like you say, could go back two weeks, we could the uh the Derek White all star hype train departed the station too early. Um you know, I think there's still some hope that if the Celtics have the best record in basketball, and pretty decidedly so, at least if there's an injury or if the commissioner, whose role I'm supposedly playing right now, were to swoop in, I think there's a good chance that maybe one of those guys gets one of those spots. I think if you watch the Celtics every night, you're pretty bullish on like how important Porzingis has been pretty quickly and how different they are when they don't have him. But I also understand that if I'm one of the coaches voting on this poll, I'm probably splitting my vote. Like, you know, one of us is giving it to Derek, one of us is giving it to Porzingis. And ultimately, the Trey Youngs and Julius Randles and and such of the world are going to swoop in. Uh, you know, just running down my list of, of, of possibles, like, you know, Siakam's not going to make it because Raptors were terrible and there hasn't been a large enough sample to know just how good he can be. With the Pacers, Mikhail Bridges, um, you know, ultimately, it, it feels... This was one of the easier years, I'd say. And even though I still think the Celtics get squeezed and, and only finish with two, and, and maybe it's just every good team in the East ends up with somebody uh, or, or two guys, um, you know, I'll listen to whoever you guys think. Like, I, 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 I can buy the case for Jimmy. Um, I can buy the case for Julius Randle. I'm not in love with either of those picks um, the way I think that the guys in front of them on their teams. Like I think Bam and Jalen have to be there. Um, I think if I had to pick and it would be, I would have to fully admit it's just because I've watched how good Porzingis is every night and the two way impact. Um, and I'm a sucker for a good story because, you know, who would have thought, what has it been five years since his four years since his, his last yeah, something year? like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, and he's bounced and it's been a, been a windy road, but I also know the games played matters too. So that's, that's tough. I I, I want to reward people that are out there every night. I'm trying, I, I'm, my, I'm trying to come up with a tiebreaker. That's just like, who would be the most fun to be out there? Oh, like if you reward, I don't know, Scotty Barnes I mean, would, I guess like that would be the one other name that I would throw in there and, and 
same deal. Like Toronto just doesn't do, I, after watching Toronto 9 million times, I just can't get to the point where I want to give them. Yeah, there's not enough pop there. Yeah. But like, he would be fun in that game. Right. Like another young guy that just would want to be out there. And um, so I, I guess that would be the way I lean. we need to rock the Canadian boat. I mean, if you were commissioner, what you could do is you could say, Jimmy Butler, it's you wink, wink, you're going right. to say that you're injured. You're, now you're being replaced. But... And you could also probably say that to Porzingis. I'm sure Porzingis would be cool with getting the honor and not playing. Mm. But uh, that's yeah. gamesmanship that I don't think. Look, I, I think about all the stuff that Christoph Porzingis has had to sit out this year. IST finals, FIBAs, all the sake of yeah. being healthy for when it really matters. And like a part of why I want to reward him. He's been so selfless in the quest for a bigger goal. But um, yeah, let's give him the honorary assignment to the All Star game, and then pull it out from under him so he can rest that calf or whatever is aching. I love that. Um, last year was Salt Lake City, and that was the year that like people flew in on Sunday, and everyone saw the Jets fly out like after the game, right? Indy I think we're the same. I think Indy's going to be the same. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Shout so out to the are... Circle City, though. It's I enjoy Indianapolis. You and your crazy time zone, like it's the, the furthest part west of whatever time zone it's in. And it's always like daylight at nine o'clock when we're there. And I don't understand it. And I don't argue it. Oh, that's good to know. I am. Um, I'm hoping to make my way out there. So uh, I've never been. Um, all righty. Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston. Let's do this. Everyone gets 30 seconds to a minute. No more. Just give us your all-star game take this year. Ooh. All of the years, next year, whatever it is. Um, what do you think of the All-Star game? I'll model it. I'm actually going to do two. One, we don't give Aaron Gordon enough credit for the dunk contests that he has given us. If that dude retired tomorrow, he would be a hero of the 20 teens for the dunk contests because that product usually doesn't work. And he made it work for so many years. So thank you, Aaron Gordon. And the second thing that I will say is I just learned that the court at the Indianapolis, I think I learned this on the Hoop Collective, the court at the airport that everyone mm-hmm. was so happy with, it's just a sticker. It's not an actual court. Mm-hmm. And they have a thing on top of the hoops, so you can't even shoot hoops. Um, so that was very disillusioning for me. Okay, so that is my <laughs> all-star game riff. Uh, Chris, you get to go last because you're the guest. Alex, mm-hmm. 30 seconds to 60 seconds on the all-star game. Take it any direction you want. The NBA made a mistake by getting rid of the All-Star Game draft. It was one of the best things to happen to the All-Star Game in years, and I think I would like to take it a step further. The All-Star Game should be played outside on a concrete court with an actual live pick with captains picking their teams and then playing the court like same product, same viewing, same broadcast in the moment. Wow, I like that. (laughs) Yield the remainder of your time. Wow, that's great. Um, all right, Dr. Quinn. So two parts. The All-Star team should have at least 13 players, and 15, reflecting what the league now has on most rosters, would be better, in my opinion. There is plenty of arguments against it. It's too late for me to entertain them. And Boston was robbed, so 2027 better be in Boston. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was saying that to Emily uh, over dinner today that I've I want to be able to go to an all-star game as a media member in Boston. Like it's just, it'll be fun to like show people the, how to do the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. Um, they but, need a new arena to cement it yeah. because the, the league likes to give new um, arenas the award, but. Yeah, I think I Delaware North is too cheap for that, but that's a conversation for another day. Chris Forsberg, thank you for coming on the Celtics Lab podcast. Love- what is your all-star riff? I, well, I'll just spin off everybody's. Like, I would love for Boston to host an All Star game. I, like having been to All Star games and how spread out they tend to be, I worry like how exactly are we holding stuff at like Harvard or like you know like the the Rising Stars Challenge can't be at the Garden if everything else is going on. Uh, I yearn. I am uh, very nostalgic in all facets of my life, and I yearn to be the young child who obsessed about the dunk contest when Dominique and Michael Jordan were dominating, when Larry Bird was showing up in you know the the half sleeve warm up and asking who was coming in second place i even miss when craig hodges was being brought back even though he wasn't on a team and they just give him like a red white and blue jersey and say go out and defend your three-point championship because the bulls had caught him that year or whatever um it felt like 
all-star Saturday night had a purpose and mm-hmm. it's been replaced by like celebrity games and G league showcases. And uh, I don't know, the all-star game in general doesn't have the same buzz. I am weirdly excited for them to go back to East versus West. And uh, while I will miss the draft and the chaos of, of, and the pettiness of people choosing each other, um, I guess I'm, I'm nostalgia wins there. And I just hope that it gives at least some reason for them to kind of go at each other a little bit more than when the random, Oh, look, the Jays are on different teams, even though it doesn't make any sense. All-star game should be at Rogers park, Oak square. Austin. <laughs> <Brighton>. <laughs> All right. Well, on that, <laughs> Alan shows up carrying a Duncan's cup and yeah. puts it down, laces up their shoes and they're made on the sidelines. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's gonna be hard to top. I think that that's the most <laughs> vivid picture we can paint for people. So let's pause there. All right, Mr. Forsberg, thank you for taking time away from NBC Sports Boston and whatever else it is you do in your life. I'm not really sure. Uh, for coming on this, <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna go into repose after this. Um, thank you for joining us, listeners. Thank you for stopping by the Celtics Thought Podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. This time next week, we'll know about the All-Star starters and maybe we'll talk about our reserve picks and trades and all that stuff. But until then, like and subscribe to never miss an episode and we will catch you next week. Adios.